Blog Talk Radio. So be glad about it because my life has been crazy as hell. All right. <laughs> so Desperate House Witches is not a G, PG, or even an R-rated show. So if bad language, bodily function, dirty talk of any kind might upset you, this is not the show for you. But you know, my little desperados, that is exactly why you <laughs> tune in. Desperate House Witches is brought to you by the amazingly wicked one, the incredible Dorothy Morrison. Please check out www.wickedwitchstudios.com for all of your witching needs. And in case you forgot, there's only a few days left of the month. You have four, count them, four days to get on those limited edition candles, the Wicked Witch Mojo candles. You know them, you love them, you bought them before, and you know you need more. Because you know the power went out over the summer. And you burned those candles because you didn't have any others. And now you need them for spell work. So go back, get the social media link on our Facebook page, Wicked Witch Studios. Get on that link, order those candles, and thank your Auntie Raina later. Okay. (laughs) So, with me for the hour, first timer, yay. (laughs) A DHW virgin, yay. Yay. Very excited. The amazing Kate Johnson, Witch Wisdom for Magical Aging. Hello, Kate. Hey, Raina. I am so happy to be here. Desperados are my cup of tea. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's funny because I never used to call my listeners by any specific anything, but I'm like, you know what? They're my little desperados. They're wonderful. My (laughs) listeners are awesome, awesome, awesome. And they understand their old Auntie Raina. And I'm so excited that. to have somebody with some wisdom who understands aging. Because I will tell you, as an older person, such as I am, mm-hmm. um, I find myself fighting a lot of gatekeeping by people our age. Mm-hmm. And aggravates the living shit out of me. And mm-hmm. you're here. So I want to know your take on things, and I want to know about you, and you've written a bunch of books, and, and I will tell you. I have, and you know, they always echo where I am in my life, and I got to tell you, I just turned 70, and aging is really on my mind, and I don't think it's any news to you, and I hope not to your listeners either, that our culture is really fucked up when it comes to older women, right? No shit, no shit <laughs> indeed, but what I've noticed is In the pagan community, there is a special place for us older older female people, identifying female. And I'm really grateful that we are not – now, it's not that there isn't still ageism in witchcraft and and, and around pagan folks. There's all kinds of isms that we're constantly working against not just in the the general populace, but even amongst our own communities. 
But I mm-hmm. find that the respect for folks of a certain age is handled a little bit differently in our particular groups where, you know, folks want to learn and they want to learn from folks with experience, which we have. Oh, um, yeah. And I think that's so, one of the reasons that we're all pagan is because there is a, we're not really in the culture in the same way that many other people are, right? And I think that we absolutely. see the difference between elders and the elderly. There's a big difference. Well, I will tell you, I do not consider myself an elder. I find el- el- I, I reserve that, t- and I was going to ask you about that. I generally reserve the term elder for someone in our community of a certain level of accomplishment. Like I would call you an elder. You're very well known. You've written. I'm sure you've done a whole lot of the work. Um, and, you know, I'm sure you've taught and you've raised people and you've mentored, um, which is something that a lot of folks don't get anymore. I, however, mm-hmm. consider I consider myself elderly because I don't oh. consider myself. I'm not a writer. I don't have any specific accomplishments along those oh, lines. Oh, come on! You've got I mean, this I've, show, please. <laughs> come on, give well, yourself credit. Yeah, yeah, but, well, I mean, I appreciate that, but I don't think that makes me an elder. I think there's a certain amount of magical work. Mm. that you put into the community that gives you the respect of the title elder. Mm, I like what you're saying. And by the way, you are not elderly yet. I mean, you're you're not a crone at all yet. You're a baby crone, or better yet, a queen. I kind of like that term. I like queen. Yeah, it makes me sad that we go from, like, you know, maiden, mother, instantly to crone. It's like, wait, 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 wait. There's some years in there that we need to give a beautiful title to. And I think Queen kind of makes it, don't you? And that's interesting because in your book, you note the correlation between crone and crown. And I love that. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. I am queening. (laughs) I am not croning. I am queening. That is correct. We're going with that. Yes. And, you know, give yourself 10 years and then maybe we'll talk about croning. But, yeah, you're queening now. Plus, you know, I, I love the derivation of words. And the word hag is now used in such a pejorative way. Oh, my God. But originally, it meant holy. Things are not good with our culture, but then that's no big surprise. And women who are of a certain age are bearing a lot of the brunt of it, not that it's all that great for younger women right now either. You know, here's the thing. It's, I don't, and for me, in looking at younger folks, because I'm the mother of two adult children, um, mm. and I see that how different it was and how we could have benefited from some of the ways younger folks handle things. Back in my day, as it were, um, <laughs> you know, everything, I, I was raised in a culture where uh, a woman got married, and if she had a career, she was a teacher, and you got a husband, and you had babies. Forget the fact that I'm bisexual. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. God is forbid yeah. that. Whatever. Oh, just you lied right um, over that, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you know, you can't, you, you know, that's not part of the narrative when you're coming up in the 70s. 
uh, mm. you know, as a young adult in the 80s as, as a, a person in their early 20s, obviously. But mm. that's the kind of culture, that old European world culture that got brought over here from overseas where, you know, the main goal for women was to settle down, make a house, get married, have kids. Um, and if you listen to the generation before that, because my father was 10 years older than my mother, women were good for one thing, and that was it. So I was raised with all of the stereotypical bullshit, and, you know, the way, and that was the goal. All we did in our 20s for my generation, we wanted to get high. We wanted to get laid, and we wanted mm-hmm. to either play or hear music. Those were yep. the three objectives. That is what yep. we did. <laughs> and then we got into magic because we were abused or somehow mm. disenfranchised, and we were looking for personal power because the church was not going to provide it. God, no. Um, and, and certainly the men in our lives were not going to assist with it. So. All right. You know, and my mother was a practice. Here's the crazy part: my mother was a practicing witch before she became a Pentecostal preacher. So I oh my God, seriously! Oh whoa, yeah. boy, whoa! I've heard of it going yeah. the other way a lot more commonly, but no, yeah. wow, okay, hmm. I mean, and I know a lot of recovering Catholics who've become witches. You know. Yeah, my mother needs to turn it back around. Um. So, and I'm working on that. Now, here's the thing. My father's been dead since 1999, and I'm still trying to convert her back. It is a tough God, good luck with that. Huh. I know, but I keep keep hoping. What year was she born? 1940. Ah, okay. Yeah. Yep. Well, it was hard for women in the 40s and 50s. Wow. I mean, my mother was, she lived to be 94. She was born in 1922. So, but, you know, she was ahead of her time in a lot of ways. She sang in nightclubs. She modeled for Oleg Cassini when he was in town. She was a force. Yeah, she was something. She was very glamorous. So in some ways, she just wanted to thumb her nose at expectations of settling down to be a good little housewifey, although she did that, too, and resented it, I think. (laughs) God. Well, you know, here's what's interesting. My grandmother was ahead of her time, and she would sit with a beer and a Tipperillo cigar at the kitchen table and <laughs> bet on the horses. She she used to say to me, it's a good thing your grandfather died and did me a favor so I wouldn't have to divorce him. <laughs> she sounds like a pistol. Wow. She was. She was. She was. She, she yeah, I wonder where you got it from, Raina. <laughs> yeah, you know. I mean, she lived until she was 76. Of course, all that smoking, she got cancer. And, Damn. Yeah, uh, that's passed away. Mm. But she, man, she was a force. She was a force to be reckoned with. And she would look at my mother and say, I don't know where she came from. That's not <laughs> right. It's like, what's the matter with you? Oh my gosh, I that's know, too bad. I know. Yeah. Oh well. Isn't it fun that we get to carve our own pathways now? Gosh. Well, despite whatever know, our parents saying, were or weren't. Absolutely. And you know what I was saying earlier was the way kids handle stuff now. The younger folks. Re- I mean, I shouldn't call them kids. 
I think some folks <laughs> might find that insulting. But the younger folks, but you know, when you're in your 60s, I know, they all look like children. When you go to your doctor and he looks like your son, (laughs) or you find out he's the same age as your son, wow, that really does something to your head. Yeah, Yeah. but, you know, nowadays, and I know there's a lot of complaining about the whole, you know, isolationist, they're all sitting behind their screens and stuff. Mm -hmm. The younger folks, I'm finding, do not find sex as the, the primary motivator. In their lives, and I find it such a wise approach to life that Mm. that doesn't have to be their main motivating factor to get out of bed every morning. You know, listen, every generation has something that that the generation before goes, nope, that's not good, that's not going to work. Oh, gosh, yeah. That's not going to work. Uh-huh. And I'm just, you know, I look at them with so much appreciation because they are concerned about mental health, which is, in our day, not something we got to talk about. And they're nope. allowed to be free with, with, with self-expression, which is something we weren't allowed to do. Um, mm. I mean, there's so, not that we don't have a far way to go with real accepting and acceptance of other people, but... From where we were in when I was growing up to now is so such leaps and bounds, and it's a relatively I know forty years doesn't sound like it's a short amount of time, but it really is in the scheme of personhood mm. Mm. well, I think every generation has something to teach the next one for sure, and the next one has something to teach the previous one. It's really lovely that's one of the things that that i've so appreciated about paganism is how the different generations inform each other, if you know what I mean. They're, you're right. What you yeah. were saying earlier about there being more respect for older people in paganism, I think that's true. I mean, I think people do realize that, you know, the wisdom that one acquires through a long life is worth listening to. And we can and echo that right back. Oh, absolutely. And I find it interesting, you know, again, because I see so much gatekeeping from folks my age and older, you know, the idea that somebody says to them, you're doing it wrong. Well, first of all, they're not doing it wrong. Mm. They're doing it in the public, which is something we didn't have to do. So I would Mm. say, let me just tell you, the fucking mistakes I made as a witch for the first (laughs) 20 to 30 years of my life, Boy, am I glad that it wasn't yeah. social media-based and that people didn't see my fuck-ups because I would not have been able to stay on the test of time. The other thing oh, about I don't is, know that that's true, but it may feel true uh, to you. <laughs> oh, it does. I've, I've done some shit. I've done some oh, shit. Oh, well, I hear you. But, it. you know, sometimes when we fuck up, that's the best lesson for other people that we can give them. You know, it's like, hey, don't do what I did. Okay, that's kids, true. don't try this at home. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and that's why when I make a mistake online, I'm like, okay, I got to eat that one. I fucked up. (laughs) Yeah, you know, so what? It's being human, isn't it, to be able to own your mistakes? It is. And I find people so afraid to say that they're ever wrong. And it drives me nuts because (laughs) I can't tell you how many times in an hour I'm wrong. Oh, honey, I so hear you. Whatever it is. 
Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> but so what? You know, so you're wrong. You know, the the world doesn't come to a crashing halt. And it's all right as long as you say, oops, I was wrong. But I think you're right. When people refuse to admit that they've done something dumb or even harmful, that's when you really have a problem. People that will never apologize. Oh, my God. I have so many clients who are dealing with relatives or loved ones who have narcissistic personality disorder. It's a nightmare. These people never apologize. They never admit they're wrong, and they spend their lives blaming other people for everything. It's awful. And it sounds like my father. Here's here's my classic. If I hurt your feelings, if I was wrong, if, if, if the quantifying if, if somebody says to you, if I... I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. Motherfucker, we're talking because you hurt my feelings. There's no if. Right. You said yep, it. He probably was a you good case me. of it. He, ugh, I'm so sorry. Horrible. Not fun to be raised by a narcissist. Yeah. yeah. It leaves oh, scars. We know that. Most most of the pagans that I know, as you said earlier, got yeah. into it because we were traumatized or because we were neurodivergent or because there are a lot of reasons but we were marching to the beat of a different drummer in every conceivable way, and a lot of us were trying to undo the harm of a difficult childhood, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's so true. And I love mm, I have a question for you. Can I ask you a question? Of course. Okay. Oh, good, because I want to know what your definition of a witch is. Well, for me, a witch is, and it's my practice, it is, the person who incorporates the movement of energy. Ooh, what an elegant description. Hmm. But that's my definition. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, we move energy. Right. We move move energy in our spiritual practice. What's yours? I think it has something to do with feeling deeply connected to the all, not to talk about nature as if it were something outside of us. You know, but to feel Uh, really deep uh, connection to the seasons and to everything, not just the things that move and breathe, but also, you know, the rocks, the trees, to know that there's wisdom in all of those creatures, those beings, and, um, yeah, to really love and esteem them. To bring yourself into harmony with what is, that to me, I know, I I think we all go through a period when we first discovered the craft, at least I did, I can maybe only speak for myself, where you want to do a ton of spells, right, and you want to change things, God knows things need to be changed, and so that's what you do, you know, you're doing spells all the time to change reality, but as I've gotten older, more it's wanting to come into a a sense of harmony and uh, unity with what is. Not to say that if I see something horrible happen um, that I, you know, won't want to do what I can to change it. But it's no longer so much about the spell work. Now it's, it's uh, yeah, it's taken on a whole different tenor for some reason for me. Maybe that's just getting older. Well, well I think it's, you know, there are some people who in their practice look connections and being part of the what we call the force or the life spirit or the mm. energy spirit of all things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's something that a lot of us want to get closer to and achieve that closeness, that elemental, which is why your book is great because your book is very elemental and seasonal and it, mm-hmm. just br- it brings those things together. Um 
Thanks for saying that. Felt... That's really that was my aim. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and it's it's beautiful, and it's what it does, and it's got it's got beautiful artwork in it as well. Oh, and let me just color. talk for a second about the artist. Her name is Anya Aldrich, and she's brilliant. She's brilliant, and she's a really close friend of mine. And I was so fortunate oh, that goodness. she was willing to do the paintings for this book. It's worth the price of the book just for those. Oh, definitely. I love the the artwork is great, but your words are great too. And the oh, well, thank you. One, but one of the biggest things that struck me about this book is the reclaiming of self. Yeah. Because especially folks, again, of our generation, and I just want people to understand, while this book leans heavily for those identifying female, um, mm-hmm. We're all going to get old if we have any kind of fortune at all. Oh, God, that so is the truth. Would, and Yes, yes. I had first I readers who were men. I wanted to make sure that there was something there for them, too, or for people who identify oh, differently, you know, whatever. However you define yourself, right. that's, it's for yeah. everyone. Yep. It Thanks really for mentioning is. that. And that's very helpful. Oh, of course. But for folks who plan on getting to be of any kind of age, it's a great book. It really is. <laughs> well, here's now, the truth of it. I'm, you know, we're all going to get old unless we die. And this is not a culture that esteems age. It, you know, for the most part, we're sort of, yeah. you know, shuffled off to the refuse heap unless we say no, fuck right. that, which basically this book is saying, you know, say that, kids. Yeah. Let's say that. You know, let's be who we are. And I guess that is maybe one of the central ideas that this book is written around, and that is that, Old age gives us the opportunity to be so completely liberated. Really, after a certain point, I'm here to tell you, you stop giving so much, you know, of a fuck about what other people think of you. You just don't care so much anymore. You still want to be kind to others, blah, blah, sure. But you don't twist Uh yourself into pretzel knots trying to appeal to other people. It's, uh, oh, so freeing to say, yeah, no, not doing that. Well, I don't know about you, but in, until I was, and I had a very specific event happen to me that stopped me from being a doormat, because quite for you. I was I was a doormat until I was 42 years old, and mm. I was running for an elevator one day, and the man who ran the elevator said, you don't run for an elevator, the elevator waits for the queen, and I went, Ooh. oh, wow. That that person deserves a big hug. And he got several of them because in that moment, I stopped being a doormat. I mean, literally as though, like he was casting a spell on me to get me. I mean, and I had seen this man every single day, an older gentleman, a wise older gentleman whose business it was to make sure folks got upstairs and downstairs. That mm. was what he did for a living and, mm-hmm. you know, other certain tasks that were his. But he was the most supreme person observer. He would look mm. at folks and somehow you just knew that he could see inside you and know mm. what was going on. And wow. I'm telling he you, was a it deep was one soul. of the most powerful. Yeah, it was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. That was mm. all he said. And that's mm-hmm. all he needed to say. And from that moment forward, I was like, and I was 42 at the time, 
I said, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to walk in this power. Now, it doesn't mean act like a cunt. Nope, it, it doesn't. Means respect, it means be respectful, not mm-hmm. just of other people, but of yourself. And I think right. a lot of the time, those of us who like to please others forget mm-hmm. that we are neglecting respecting ourselves. Oh, boy, did you ever say a mouthful, and it is the truth. I think we're raised to be people pleasers, and sometimes our authentic selves get buried. And that's just so sad because the world needs us to be authentic. So, yeah, you had a – I hate to use the word guardian angel because it sounds so, you know, Judeo-Christian, but still, that he was your light, your your lighthouse. That's really beautiful. Have you written this down? Because you'd probably make a really lovely story out of this. And it would, I think it would really read to other people. I think it would inspire them. You're very kind. I am not a writer. I'm a talker. That's, if somebody <laughs> else wants to write it, I will, I will give you all the information. If someone wants to write this story, I remember <laughs> it like it happened 10 minutes ago. It was that impactful wow. for my life. Have you yeah. ever thought about tape recording yourself telling the story? Fuck no. And then you could write it. A radio show. No, yeah, do it. I, you know, it, <laughs> I'm not a writer. I don't. You know, if anybody wants to sit and listen to me talk about the whole story and what happened that day and all that shit, sure, I'll be happy to sit down with you and you can write it or record it. I don't really care. Um, mm. but no, it's not my gig. I, I've seen okay, I get it. I get it. Through. Yeah, I don't want that job. That's not my gig. That is not No, my it doesn't light you up. But wow, what a great story. And I really do think that it would mean a lot to a lot of people. But then again, anybody listening to the show just heard it, which is good. Okay. That's right. There you go. And, you know, and we can function as that light for each other. Exactly. Exactly. And that is the point of this book. It is to yeah. be not only a light for others, but to be a light for yourself. Absolutely. You got get into this book. I am not even joking. Having had to be a slave to what I was told was good, bright, and pretty, and acceptable, and the type of person yielding that I was supposed to be. You know, this is why, and I could get myself in a world of shit right now going on to this topic, but you know what? It's you and me, so fuck it. I'm going for it. Go for it. I believe. I believe that a lot of the reason that women get assaulted is because we are trained to be good girls and good yielding people. And, you know, and it's worse. Well, it's not worse. It's horrible, period, for people who have to go through this kind of humiliation almost on the back of being taught that that's who we're supposed to be. And it's not just women. It's women, No, it isn't. Men have it rough, non-gendered. too. It's, nope. it's gendered and non-gendered people. I'm telling mm-hmm. you, I know so many folks who have experienced an assault, a humiliation at mm-hmm. the hands of someone, and, you know, it changes it changes you. It hurts oh, you. Yeah, trauma does, and it stays in the body until you really make a concerted effort to get it out of there. But, you know, you brought something up that's so true, which is that if you're taught to be a good little people pleaser, there's another word for that, yeah. and that's potential victim. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 
you know. And, and maybe I find that's what... that we're, 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 we're trying so hard to course correct that mm. we've torn our, you know, we've put ourselves in, and I don't know the answer. No, no I, did, I don't think any of us knows the answer, but it, at least we know the right questions to ask. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, the toxic masculinity that we've experienced has been encouraged by previous generations mm-hmm. who said men are supposed to go or male-identifying people are supposed to go get what they want, take what they want, you know, be a man, quote-unquote, be forceful, be a force to be reckoned with. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad that that culture is dying away um, but I think that's why we have so many folks not knowing how to react to each other because so many of us, especially older folks, have, were trained poorly. We were given bad information on how we were supposed to be and behave. Well, absolutely. But and, if we want to talk about toxic masculinity, I'm afraid it's having a last hurrah. Our government is a really great example, and I know we probably shouldn't talk about politics, but come on, folks. Oh, my God. What is it? AR-16 is going to be the official gun of America? Oh, gag me. Whatever. Anyway. But it's yeah. sad well, that, yeah, you. and, yeah, men, men boys, you know, anything that is born masculine is taught that it's not good to show your feelings, it's not good to cry, you can't ever be weak, you can't ever show vulnerability. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. And this show, um, as my listeners know, is 100% political. Uh, oh, good. Okay, then I won't mince words oh, because, no, 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 oh, no. my God, what's happening now? It's just appalling. It's like the very worst troglodytes have crawled out from under rocks, and they're running some of the government. It's like, where did they come from? I don't know. Anyway, I hope you're right. I hope that, I mean, I hate to talk about the patriarchy, but gosh, you know, it's time for that one to have a last gasp, don't you think? Well, I think it's it's a slow Turnover, you know, because of certain people's prejudices, the idea that Barack Obama was president was so abhorrent that they went in the opposite direction, and mm-hmm. that's what gave us Trump. And Trumpism, yeah, oh my God. And I think the damage of Trumpism is so extensive and so pervasive that we are going to be digging out of that bullshit. I don't know if I'm going to live to see the real turnover from that because of, oh i hope I mean, you do i hope we both do I, um i think there are enough people nice. that are so sick of what's what's been promulgated that they're like yeah we're not having it i hope anyway i, hope. I really do I hope. it's just been appalling to watch yeah. it's disgusting but. and yeah if you ever want to talk politics you want to come back on for a political show you are invited <laughs> because i can't <laughs> right listen i'll come back on your I show anytime for any reason whatsoever you're a lot of fun so are you. But, no, I, I believe all things are political. You know, there was a whole thing about, well, we can't judge each other, and, you know, we have to all get along. And I'm like, bullshit. If your politics <laughs> are fucked up, that's what tells me who you are as a moral person. Those no, are your morality right there for everybody to see. If you're you know, there's a very well-known spiritual teacher who told some poor grieving woman who I guess had just lost her child or something, she said, well, you know, if a Nazi snatched your baby from your arms and threw it in the fire, that Nazi is still made of love. Oh, give me a break. Ah, okay, that's nice. That's nice. Made of love, I okay. I don't mind seeing a Nazi on the fire. 
Let's throw that. No, no, it's the, the baby that went on the fire. <laughs> God. No, 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 I'm saying okay. if I no, I would throw a Nazi on the fire. That's what yeah, I'm I get it. I mean, <laughs> if, if, I'm talking about you know if anybody throws a baby on the fire. It doesn't matter what they're made out of. Yeah, no, it doesn't. Point. It was the wrong thing to do. Hello. But you know what it is? People are, I think, part of the problem is that people are uneducated. Some of them, unfortunately, not that bright, and they're scared. And they see someone like Trump, oh, he tells it like it is. Yeah, uh-huh. And so they follow like the good little sheep they are. It makes them feel really manly, I guess, to be toting their ridiculous firearms and their big tattoos on their bulging biceps. It's just, yeah, mm-mm. And shooting people up. Have you noticed it's like the Wild West in this country now? I mean, it's ridiculous. Absolutely. So, anyway, remember we are digressing. But, yeah. No, I mean, seriously, though, do you remember when a school shooting was a rarity? Like, Yes. Oh, my God. Oh my God. When Sandy Hook happened, it was, oh, my God. And now it's all, you know, how many shootings have there been so far just this year? Oh, it's ridiculous. And Mass shootings are happening all over the place. And people are scared, that's why. And stupid, sorry, but, you know. I'm going to get pilloried for saying all this, I'm sure. But there it is. You know, and and part of it is that we can feel superior knowing that we're not like that. But at the same time, they need to feel superior, and so they're constantly bashing on people that they see as inferior. And it's so depressing. In that way, if you start thinking, yes, everyone is made of love, gosh, well, wow, if we could really embrace that thought, that's a lovely idea. And then we wouldn't be so eager to bash each other, right? You would think, but, you know, we've gone into such a sense of mob mentality where everyone that's not like you is the other and needs to be destroyed. Interesting how these are are usually white Christian males. I don't know why. Yeah, funny, isn't it? Well, I do know why. I do know why, and, and it's for all the reasons we've already cited. You know, when you tell mm-hmm. someone that they own the world and then you tell them, well, you're going to have to share that world, they don't like the share part because they were no, they don't want to. sharing was part of what they were going to have to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, again, a lot of bad information, a lot of mob mentality, a lot mm-hmm. of it is social media driven because people mm-hmm. who refuse to actually get facts are easily led down the dangerous path. It's a, it's crazy. No, it's, it's crazy. crazy. And and I I am hoping, as I know you are too, that things are beginning to turn around because we just can't have this anymore. It's just gotten to such a pitch. It's ridiculous. So we'll see. We'll see what happens in twenty twenty four. Oh God. Ah, well, we'll see. <laughs> Could be really bad, or it could be wonderful. I hope. I hope it's going to be positive. I pray for that every day. And I'm not yeah, praying to some I, Judeo-Christian I, God. You know that. I'm praying to the Great Energy, whatever yeah. it is, whatever you want to call it. And I do it barefoot outside, no matter what the weather. And let me tell you, that really wakes you up in the morning. <laughs> Around here, woo! Try standing in an inch of snow barefoot and doing your prayers. They tend to be short and fast when that is the case. <laughs> You know, it's interesting because, you know, when I was being mentored and I was lucky enough to live with my mentor, I wasn't taught the basics as far as elemental and seasonal witchcraft. I came from a very, well, you want to talk about old stuff. I came from a structure that was very heavily based in Gardnerianism. 
Right, which so, is almost like church, is, right? Yeah, been there. Kind of, yes. Kind mm-hmm, of, yes. Kind of formal so, and, and isn't, yeah. Oh, no, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, isn't, I mean, usually with the with the old-style coven witchcraft, is there is often you wear costumes, you have pentacles dangling from every orifice, and generally the high priest and the high priestess are doing most of the talking, and you often have scripts, and you chime in, and it's a lot like church. So although my first teacher subscribed to that, she was also wonderfully um, encouraging. And when I wanted to break away and form a group who really lived to get ecstatic, to drum, to sing, to get out of ourselves, and everyone was equal, you know, in the circle, she came right along, which was wonderful. And I owe her a lot. She did teach me a lot. Her name is uh, Jessie Christensen. Anyway, um, but, yeah, to me, when you get into that space of not being so um, bogged down by your own personality and you free yourself through whatever, the singing, the dancing, the drumming, that to me is when you really touch the great mystery. And I think that's the most healing force we have. Actually, I have a friend who had a very virulent form of breast cancer, and she, of course, had surgery, but she also tried everything known to humanity. She went to see John of God. You know, she took ayahuasca. She, she you know, did everything. What healed her was being part of a group that just lived to get out of themselves like that, to find the, the ecstatic experience, and I'm all about that. I don't get to have it very much. Thank you, COVID. But, yeah, it's, um, to me, that is the most healing force ever. Oh, absolutely. Um, and we did go beyond. Our, my, my mentor believed that the only way to break rules is to know what the structure is in the first place. So we absolutely. It's like first you have to be able to draw like Leonardo, and then you can be a Picasso. Right, right. Right. So we would start with the basis of gardenarianism, but he would always call us gardenias because we were a whole lot more open than that. And oh, much that's more really loving cute. And accepting. <laughs> yeah. I like so that. I, even, though, even though I was, I came from British traditional. Um, it was a lot more expansive than that, and I'm very grateful because I didn't have to suffer from a lot of the sexual exploitations, or uh, I didn't have to yeah. suffer any of the horror stories that came out of the 70s and 80s. I was very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, you were very lucky. But, and I tell you, I have such an allergy to anybody that would style themselves a guru of any stripe because that is just so open to abuse, and we know it. I mean, I've heard, unfortunately, too many stories from women, particularly, who were predated upon by men who had a position of power and influence and who called themselves gurus, and they did such a mindfuck on them. Ah, it's just, wow, yeah, it's the new age mindfuck. It's a whole different thing. Right. You can talk about Catholic priests and little boys, but this is, you know, this is awful. Oh, it's awful no matter what the religious way is, where right. people use their power inappropriately against others to abuse them as opposed to help them and lift them up and, you know, yeah, give exactly. them and it's, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. But oh, have you noticed it's mostly men doing this stuff? I don't understand. Poor darlings. It's like, wow, is testosterone, like, toxic or something? I don't know. Anyway, and, I, and I'm not bashing men. I, I love men. I have a son, and I adore him. So um, it's just about a particular kind of man, I guess, and I've tried my best to raise my son not to be that kind of man, and he is not. So that's really good. So I wanted to ask you a question. Oh, good. If I can. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we've, we're we're at an age now where we've been through a lot of things and we've seen a lot a lot of things, and and I'm sure we've both received our share of bad advice. What do you wish someone had told you when you were 21? Oh, such a great question. I think if someone could have told me what I was writing about in my book now at 70, that as you age, you're going to become more and more fully and wholly yourself. And that's, that's the path of life. The path that you ought to take is the one that brings you home to yourself, not the one that pleases others, not the one that gets you what your culture tells you you should have, which is what, money, fame, all that crap. Choose the path that, that brings you the most radiant joy. And, you know, eventually you will find yourself, and in that place you will find that radiant joy. I think I wish someone had told me that. What do you wish someone had told you? Yeah. I mean, your I elevator guy said something had... great. Yeah, but that was when I was 42. I wish right. But when you were a kid, said... what do you wish he had been told? That I was actually a valuable human being. Oh, honey, yeah. 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 Well, we all need to feel that we're valuable human beings. And even like the troglodytes that I was, you know, putting down that <laughs> came crawling out from under rocks, they too are valuable human beings. They're just mis- misinformed, you know. Yeah. It's I really mean, true. I think people. I think people can be salvageable. I've seen people turn around very close to the end of life. Mm-hmm. I, I hate give, I hate giving up on anyone. Right. There are some people you do have to give up on, though. I mean, there are people who want and hold on to not knowing. They would mm-hmm. they are happier in their space of what they believe, and they do not want to. That means they have to admit that they may have misjudged or were just plain wrong. And that's right, and that's too much of a challenge. They can't right. do it, and I don't nope. know why. You always mm-hmm. have a chance to course correct, no matter how mm-hmm. old you are. You have a right. chance to course correct, whether it's a belief or a path or a, a dream. Don't give up on any dream until you decide you're ready to let it go. Give mm, I like that. Nothing that. Anything that brings you joy and peace is worth pursuing. Mm-hmm. I totally sure agree with that. Take care of yourself. Yeah, I mm. mean, because I think people, you know, in my day, people were taught that your dreams didn't matter, Ugh. your desires didn't matter, your right. job was to perpetuate a family name, and a certain way of life. Otherwise, no, the quote-unquote American dream, which a lot of us found out was bullshit, much to us. Oh, total bullshit. I was lucky that way. My parents didn't do that to me, oddly enough, even though I'm almost 10 years older than you. They did not, partly because I never had a brother. I think if I had, I might have been given a much more sexist upbringing. But as it was, my parents really did encourage me to follow what I knew in my heart I wanted to do, which at that point was uh, theater and writing. So, wow. yeah, um, my dad gave me a chemistry set. <laughs> you know, he was, I think he was kind of wishing I was a boy. But as a result, I, I wasn't uh, raised in little pink frills, if you know what I mean. I do, because my father also wanted a son and made it very clear that he was disappointed in having a girl. 
No, that's so cruel and toxic. Ugh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Man. Ugh. You know, we're talking about not giving up on people. I know folks that have worked in prisons with the most hardened yeah. criminals, and they, too, have seen people turn around. Um, I guess, yeah, you never should give up on people, but at times you really need to get the hell away from certain people, and that's an important thing. You know, I have to help some of my clients get away from the people that are actively harming them and toxic to them because mm-hmm. they've been gaslit and that's probably all they've ever known, right? So even though you don't want to give up on the person that's causing harm, at the same time, get away, you know, run. Mm-hmm. Not always so that, that you easy, don't keep though, getting it. You know, yeah, it's, it's not always easy to escape. I was married to a very, my father was very abusive. One of my husbands was very abusive. Mm. And there's a pattern there's a pattern of learned behavior um, when you're used to being abused. It becomes, I know. You get gaslit, and you think that's all there is. You kind of think that's all there is in your particular life. And I'm mm-hmm. here to tell you, that does not have to be accepted, and it's certainly not acceptable. So no. I would encourage folks to reach out because there are so many more resources now than there were when I was going through it, and I'm so grateful for that. And I'm so grateful for young people and attitudes that say, we have to talk about mental health and we have to talk about inclusion and we have to do the things that build society and not tear it apart. Right. And I'm so glad to still be alive to witness that and watch things change slowly because everything changes slowly. Oh, it does. Lasting. You know, we I, listen. I was a, I was a teenager before Roe v. Wade became law. I oh mean, yeah, the, the right to an abortion Me was, too. was a legal right. So mm-hmm. the idea that rights are being taken away freaks me the fuck out. And so it, it should. Listen, I was on the front lines protesting back in the day, and now now I have yeah. to do it again. Standing on a street corner with a coat hanger with with red ribbon coming down off the tip of it. You know, with big signs. I mean, it's ridiculous. We're having to go through this all again. What? It's a throwback. I'm with you on this. I know. In some ways, things were so much more open and loose in the 70s. I don't know what happened. But anyway. Well, because when you have looseness and openness, people forget to protect themselves. Or they don't have the ability to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. There's so many levels of culpability for all of us, from from all of us who were there in mm-hmm. the day that we didn't have awareness of. I mean, I was the first time I heard about abuse, sexual abuse in the community. You know, back in the 70s and 80s, I didn't even mm-hmm. hear about this until the last 20 years because I was right. so insulated with the folks I was with, I was very well protected. I was very well loved. No one ever hurt me. No one ever abused me in in that setting. Mm -hmm. So I was completely flabbergasted when I found out. And, you know, I'm talking before Internet was in everybody's house. So, Mm -hmm. you know, things were hearsay. And then things were like, holy shit, I didn't know this was happening. And it yeah, right. Well, it was kept very secret. It was so on the down low. My God. Yeah, we had no idea. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Hmm. So and, I, of course, I'm, it's still going on. Oh, boy. Of course. And I'm so glad that people are calling these things out when they see them. And, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that we're still standing here, listen, we are watching. We're calling this shit out. We're mm-hmm. going to support you. We're going to help you in any way we can through whatever yeah. experiences we can share or whatever mm-hmm. knowledge we have, we're happy to share. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm not a teaching type person like you. You've got, um, you know, you've written books and you've got credentials and you're brilliant. And, I mean, there's all these things. <laughs> Gosh, lay it on with a trowel, honey. <laughs> You're brilliant too. Look at what you're doing. Come on, let's just let's just sit for a moment and think how brave you are to get out on the airwaves in this wonderfully free and outspoken way to speak your truth to everybody. I mean, that takes a lot of courage. I'm impressed. Uh, well, you're very kind, but I have to be 100% honest with you. Any idiot with a microphone can do what I do, <laughs> and I prove it every week. I hear you, and that's that's really liberating right there. Maybe it's because I happen to agree with what you're saying, but I think you're brilliant. (laughs) Oh, hey, you know. (laughs) Well, I think you're brilliant, and I think your book is totally brilliant. And now I want to go back and read all your other books and talk about your cooking book and all your other books. Because yeah, I, the cooking book's so much uh, fun. Oh, my God. You know, it's funny. It? I, in my own rather quiet way, I'm trying to change the mindset of the culture, you know? I mean, this is a, we're in a, a culture that thinks nuking a burrito is dinner, you know, or you eat a, a power bar yeah. on yeah. the way to work. I, yeah. And I just wanted to restore a sense of the sacredness of cooking, which I think cooking is like, a, is like doing magic. A recipe is a magic spell. Of course. Yeah, of course. right? Right. You have ingredients, you put them together in a certain way, right, with an intention. And I think that that feeds us body and soul. And I really wanted to restore that kind of sense of sacred fun to the kitchen because, yeah, I mean, my mother hated cooking. Oh, my God, when they brought in, like, you know, frozen food. I still remember because that wasn't that common when I was really little. Boy, it was like she was singing Hosanna, you know, packaged, prepackaged food. Yeehaw! I never knew that you could make a cake that wasn't from a mix until I married and my uh, mother-in-law showed me. I'd never had a homemade cake. Didn't know. Never had homemade spaghetti sauce. It always came out of a packet. And I don't blame my mother. She had other things she'd rather be doing. Who can blame her? So it's funny, yeah, but I kind of went back the other way. I wear an apron every day, not because I feel like I'm Donna Reed, but because I just love aprons. And it makes me feel like when I put my apron on, I feel like, all right, now I'm getting down to doing some work. I write in an apron. Why not, right? And nothing else. All this yes, all this. Back in my palmier days. <laughs> oh, yes, indeed. <laughs> Let me tell you something. You said a few minutes ago in my own quiet little way, you are a badass bitch. Don't even start with that <laughs> quiet little me in the corner bullshit. Well, darling, the thing is, my books will never be bestsellers, you know, and that's fine. That's not the point. The point was to get it out to people that would really, you know, benefit from them or have a good time reading them or, you know, get a laugh or have fun or get their minds a little bit changed or, I don't know, feel empowered. 
so yeah, you know, when I yes, I'm kind of a badass, but a secretive one. Thank you for calling me out on that. That's probably one of the best compliments I've ever gotten. <laughs> I love it. But yeah, when I, you know, in my quiet way, meaning that you know, nobody, yeah, the millions of people are not going to read my books, but that's okay. That wasn't the point, right? I'm not, you know, first of all, I'm going to deny that bullshit right now. Because you have to breathe life into that fucking statement on my airwaves. So I'm going to tell you right now, we're not going to, we're not going to breathe life into that statement because you have no fucking idea. That's number one. Well, okay. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But knowing the publishing world as I do, oh boy. (laughs) Oh God. Yeah. You've already got content. You're in search. You are in circulation. First of all, you are in circulation, number one. This is true. I do still have books in print. That is true. It, it starts with one book before people start looking for more. That's mm-hmm. number two. Number three, mm-hmm. you, are, you are a force on the face of the earth. And as long as you are still a force on the face of the earth, do not deny what the gods can do. Do not deny what your own power can do. Do not breathe negativity. Now, I'm not being, what do they call it? Uh, I'm not being, I'm not giving you toxic positivity. I'm not telling you. (laughs) I know we have so many catchphrases now, don't we? (laughs) Toxic positivity. I love it. No, I know what you're doing, and I like it. I mean, what you're saying is not just to me. It's to anyone that has something they want to share with the world. Share it. And don't worry so much about, you know, whether it goes big or not. That's not the point. Share it because I trust that the right people are going to find their way to my work. And that's where I rest. Plus, you know, being 70, I I want to have a legacy, right? You start really thinking about death when you hit this age. And I hope I still have a number of years left. My parents died at 94 and 99, so hopefully I will too. But, you know, you want to leave something behind of value for the people that come after you. And that's where I live. I just, that's what I want to do. And we're going to have to, I'm telling you, we, you and I need to have a conversation based on the fear of death. Because this is why older folks get shoved in the corner in the general populace. Oh, God. Well, I kept my father at home with me for three and a half years and was with him when he died. I was also with my mother when she died, but she needed care that I couldn't give her, so she had to be somewhere. But I was with her when she died. And let me tell you, there is nothing like being with someone who is dying and then dead to make you lose your fear of it. It's difficult. It's sad. It's hard. It looked difficult and painful. But I'm telling you, there was something so beautiful about it. And because I did very much love my parents, there was a lot of love there. And it does. Yeah. I, it made me much less afraid of death. I was terrified of it when I was a kid. Oh my God, I couldn't sleep at night. But you're too me young too. to remember me the too. the whole Cuban Missile Crisis. But every time I heard the fire siren, I thought it was the end of the world. And I just couldn't sleep. I was wow. so tense. I was so afraid of dying. Now, eh, you know, I've had a life. I'd rather not die for a while yeah. yet. But it doesn't have the same sting that it did when I was young. And having been through it with people that I know, it, it's, yeah, it's a, it's a process. It's natural. Maybe that will be my next book. Because I've tried to restore a sense of the sacred to cooking and eating. I've tried to restore, you know, a sense of magical fun to having children. That was uh, Celebrating the Great Mother that I wrote with Maura Shaw. And, you know, the whole aging thing, which is the one that just came out. Well, hmm, maybe it's time for me to talk about death. It's not going to be a bestseller. (laughs) 
It, well, first of all, you don't know that because let me tell you something. I believe one of the greatest gifts you can give the living is to remove or at least lessen the fear of what comes next. Oh, I totally agree. Totally. Have you ever, I mean, I have seen, this sounds so lame, but, you know, once in a while I'll fall down the TikTok rabbit hole, and there's a hospice nurse who talks on it pretty frequently, and she tells the most beautiful stories about her own, you know, eyewitness accounts of people dying with her. It's it really, I mean, it, it, for the most part, they seem very much at peace. And, in fact, some of them see loved ones that have gone on before, uh, some of them even express yeah. how beautiful it is, how peaceful it is. In fact, I know someone that had a near-death experience who said she, in a way, didn't want to go back. It, it just looked so peaceful and loving and filled with light. But she did yeah. go back, and we're all glad she did. But anyway, yeah, um, yeah. if you've ever read Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, there is a lot of evidence of to suggest that it's not a scary, horrible thing. I studied the seven stages because I was told I was dying when I was a teenager. Oh, oh my God, really? Yeah, yeah. I was I I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease, which back then was deadly, especially in my family. I'd already had a oh. relative who passed at twenty. So oh no! That, but, but it used. But here's what's funny about that. Before I ever got sick and had a diagnosis, when I was a child, I was. I would not be able to sleep at night because I was so afraid of dying. Right. The biggest fear, the biggest fear of dying is just, I think it's a losing consciousness or touch with your consciousness as you know it. The Mm. second thing people seem to be the most afraid of is pain. Will there be pain? Yep. Yeah. Well, now we have hospice. There is those things. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah. thank God we have hospice, and they'll give you as much morphine as you need to keep you comfortable, which I think is such a gift. But it I also is. think it there's is. another there's reason no why, reason. as children, we may fear death, and that is because we know we haven't lived yet. It's a fear of not having oh, lived. True. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, gosh, you know, now I've lived some. It doesn't have quite the same sting to it. But, yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm so sorry you had that experience. Wow, does that suck? Woof. Well, I mean, it sucked in the moment, and I, I mean, I was told that I wouldn't live past 21, and I was told that yeah. I would never have children, and I was told all these different things. Listen, I'm 62, almost. This year, I'll be 62, mm-hmm. and I have two grown children, and <laughs> uh, science, uh, and, you know, me- uh, medicine is a practice, and sometimes they're wrong. Yeah. Sometimes they're just fucking wrong. Yeah, so well, they were definitely diagnosis wrong. Is not, oh, yeah, every diagnosis is not a guarantee of anything. So No, but remember, people are terribly to... porous. And to me, this is just a sign of how strong-minded and strong-willed you are. Because a lot of people, when they get a bad diagnosis and they're told they have a month to live, show enough, they die in a month. Whereas other people are given the same diagnosis, the same, you know, you're going to be dead in a month. And they say, yeah, really? Fuck you. And they live on and on. So, yeah, I don't know. It's so interesting. I think, I think you, yeah, hmm, giving prognoses is not always such a great idea unless you have unfinished business that you want to get taken care of. Then yeah. it gives you a chance to do know. that. I, I'm I'm amazed. You know, I found out this past week that my the father of my kids died. 
Oh, um, my God, that's it big. Was such a, well, it actually really wasn't because he was a prick. Um, oh, well, not yeah. just to me today. Yeah, he was not just to me, but the wife after me, our two sons, you know. Mm. Um, the guy was just a douchebag. So it was kind yeah, of, um, you know, right. he'd, he'd had cancer for years and years and years. And every once in a while, we, you know, we, my kids and I would get in a conversation, and one of the questions would be, did he die yet? And I know how <laughs> shitty that sounds, but when someone has been nothing but abusive to you your entire life, um, yep. yeah, you, you kind of don't have all those warm and fuzzies about it when they finally fucking go. It's like... No, it's a it's relief. Like, I mean, it's he's, like, well, good. He's not he's on the like, planet yeah. anymore to hurt us. Exactly. Right. So right. I was kind of like, it took him fucking long enough. And he's young. He was younger <laughs> than me. And it's like, hmm. you know, I, and there's just a whole magical aspect that we could do an entire other show on. Um, hmm. But you have been such a delight, Kate. I <laughs> think you are amazing. You are a strong, hmm. badass writer and person and human. And oh. this book. Uh, is Rich Wisdom for Magical Aging, Finding Your Power Through the Changing Seasons. I highly recommend. Go get it. Get it for you or get it for someone you love or do both. That's always good. Do both. Um, <laughs> yeah. Buy books. It's just such a – buy books. Books count. <laughs> they fucking count. They really uh, do. There's, I mean, I understand wanting to read on your Kindle, and that's fine as soon as it's available. But I will tell oh, it you is. that there is, there's something about holding an actual book in your hand and saying uh, to someone, I read this amazing book. Yeah, I'm hooked on books. You. It's true. Yeah. By the way, it's also it's on true. Audible now, so if, if reading is really not yeah. your thing, you can listen to it. You can listen to it. There you go. Yeah, so but I'm a book fiend. Oh, my God, I love to read. Raina, you are just something. I have had the best time talking with you. <laughs> we will do this again. I will, I will contact do. you when the show is over. And you and I will right. another day together. You are a love. I, I really so appreciate you taking this time to hang out with me and let my audience get to know you uh, and let me get to know you. Yeah. I just I I have so appreciated this last hour, and you know it's it being in my sixties. I love to learn because you guys know I tell you all the time I don't know shit, and that's why I have <laughs> this show. It is dedicated to teaching me shit that I don't know because I don't know a lot of shit. So right, I, I love you guys that. learned something. I know I've learned something. Kate Johnson, you are wonderful. Thank you so much again. And we will do this again soon. Oh, that sounds great. Thank you for everything. This has been a blast. Take care. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. All right, guys. Wasn't she amazing? Oh, my gosh. And I apologize because I know we probably talked over each other a little bit. But you know when you first start talking to somebody that you just met and it's like, Oh, blah, 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 blah. I mean, you know, the rapid fire because you're all excited because it's like, oh, a kindred spirit, and we have all these things to say. And she's just, I, I love her. I think she and I are going to be great friends for a long time. Um, I hope you enjoyed the hour. I know I did. Next week, I have the 415 with Starbucks Demonte. Very excited. Uh, Friday, 
I have thousands of Ammon. On Wednesday, I'm going to be talking to Joel Green and my old friend, Dr. Deborah Burris, about a local event going on in their area, Enchanted, and I forgot the rest of what it's called, but that's Wednesday. And then a week from Sunday, I'm going to be talking to Deborah Lipp. Uh, Bending the Binary is the new book. Very excited. And I hope you guys have a most magical and wonderful weekend. I love you all. Asher, feel better. Hugs and kisses from your Auntie Raina. Talk to you guys later. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.